no. Started the season with a loss. Eeyore's not happy. It's the... We started the season with a loss. Edition <laughs> of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero. Hello, star of the show, Adam Beasley. So if you're Eeyore, I must be Pooh, who constantly puts his head in the honey jar and thinks he's going to get a different result, even though it's preordained that the Dolphins go to Foxborough and lose a game early in the season. Did you just call yourself poo? (laughs) (laughs) I am full of poo today, Armando. Full of poo. Poo. (laughs) Okay, man. Uh, You be you, then. (laughs) That's fine with me. Um, So, 21-11, to the Miami Dolphins go down in defeat against the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills are on tap Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Let's uh, let's recap first, shall we? Um, your thoughts of that loss to New England? Well, uh, they, uh, they they were supposed to spend the last two off seasons fortifying the trenches, building the offensive and defensive lines in a way in which uh, they can roll out there against anybody on any Sunday and dominate the line of scrimmage. And what happened on Sunday, Armando? Well. <laughs> the defensive line got trucked, um, and the offensive line wasn't bad. I, I didn't think it was bad at all. And they, particularly, they, they, yeah, but they couldn't run the ball. I mean, that, the, the the reason the game got lopsided is because the first half of football there. I mean, they they they, they had I think uh, they averaged three point two yards a carry, and that includes a game high twelve yard scramble by Fitz. Uh, you remove that that rush, and they average two point nine yards a carry. This, this team, particularly with the with the, how limited they are with dynamic players on the outside, has to be able to run the football, and they failed in that regard. That's fair, but I would say to you that when you have an offensive line that has two rookies, and you have an offensive line that has four new guys out of five, and you have an offensive line that hasn't played in the preseason. Um, relative suckage in the first game. <laughs> uh, I'm a, you know, I, I'm un, a little understanding of that. What I don't understand is the the defensive front that includes many veterans, includes former New England Patriots, know the defense and still got steamrolled. That I'm a little worried about. Yeah, they. Um... I, I think the defense is funny. I, I put this on Twitter. They have the number one pass defense and the number 32 rush defense through one week of the NFL season. And I'm sure those numbers might kind of, kind of even out a little bit as the year goes on. But it speaks to how, you know, they, they spent all this money to, 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 to beef up the secondary. First-round pick on Noah Igbenogany, a biggest contract at the time for a cornerback in NFL history for Byron Jones. And the Patriots didn't throw the football. Like they threw to the they, they threw to kill Harry twice. They threw to Danny Amendola I think four or five times, and that was it. I mean, Izzo had a couple of catches, but they they didn't even they didn't even, they were they had such little respect for the Dolphins front seven that they didn't even try to throw the football. They knew if they ran it forty to forty five times, got Cam going with the zone read, that they wouldn't have to throw the ball. It's, it, it, and what scares me, Armando, is I I think when the season goes on and you get to the Garoppolo's of the world, you play more pocket passers, 
the defense could be pretty good because I think, you know, they got pressure on the quarterback in the way in a way that they hadn't uh, last year. And as I said, their coverage was fine. Uh, but that's the, the problem is, is that they've got Josh Allen on Sunday. And you know my thoughts, you know my thoughts on Josh Allen, but the one thing he can do very, very well is to create alpha broken plays and run the zone read. So, yikes. One of the things that Don Shula uh, said to me many, many years ago was, if you can't run the football and you can't stop the run, you cannot win in the NFL. And so the idea that the Dolphins made the New England Patriots one-dimensional, but the dimension that they could not stop, the dimension that just was relied upon by the Patriots was running the football, um, it, 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 it obviously killed them. And then again, the Dolphins couldn't run the football either. So those two things... And I know the NFL is all about passing now, Adam, and it's a passing league, and let's spend a lot of money on quarterbacks, and let's spend a lot of money on cornerbacks, and let's get after them in the pass rush. I get all that, and let's hire a left tackle and pay him $22 million a year like Laramie Tunsil is making. But if it, it comes down to a physical game of controlling the line of scrimmage, and the Dolphins lost at the line of scrimmage on offense and defense. Yes, uh, I, I agree. I think the run game would have been bad. The run defense would have been bad uh, even without Cam. But the, the Cam with the with the zone read stuff just destroyed him. And and I, I read your item from this morning. I agree. Uh, uh, Ogba was not good. Shaq Lawson, in my opinion, was worse. I mean, I went back and watched the game this morning, and he was guessing. And he was guessing wrong every single time, and Cam was savvy enough to they, – they basically baited Shaq Lawson for most of the first half, and he had no answer whatsoever. Um, and these are – Lawson and Agba were supposed to be the, the fixes, right? Those were supposed to be the two guys they brought in to fix their, their perennial issue of, 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 of protecting the edge. you you got to set the edge. you got to funnel everything inside. They didn't do that. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, who has not spoken to us, by the way, since the game, didn't speak Sunday, didn't speak yesterday. Um, on the, I think the game deciding play, the the the, the twenty three yard uh, was it uh, jet sweep by by uh, Edelman. Um, he, he bit like crazy. He bit the whole way in, and there was no edge set. So those three guys, Van Noy, Agba, and Shaq Lawson, were the three guys who you thought were going to fix this run defense, and they were the main culprits of why it went wrong. Why didn't Christian Wilkins start? Yeah, I, I saw what you wrote. It was strange. Like starting doesn't really bother me because it's package based. It's it's number of snaps. And why didn't he is, play in ten out of the first eleven plays? Yeah, I, I I don't have an answer to for that. I think they they get too cute sometimes. And he was their best. He was their best defensive player. Either him or, or Bake were their best defensive players on Sunday when nobody else in the front seven was playing well at all. <laughs> It's like, so Raquan Davis starts, Christian Wilkins doesn't, it, it, huh? Uh, And and I I understand what you said about playtime, and yes, playtime is important. When the game began and the New England Patriots showed you immediately, this is our game plan, let's do this, 
and one of your better front seven guys is on the bench for most of the first half, um, excuse me, most of the first quarter, that is weird. That is that is inexplicable. They had uh, – I'm looking at the, uh, the the participation chart right now. And of their front seven guys, here are, who are, here are guys who out-snapped uh, Christian Wilkins. Jerome Baker is understandable. He's an every-down player. But the next front seven player, Shaq Lawson, was on the field for 60 of 64 snaps. And he had maybe three good plays of those 60, okay? Uh, Ogba got more snaps. And Devon Godshaw got more snaps than Christian Wilkins. And, and I know Godshaw's a try-hard guy, but he was invisible on Sunday. He was part of the problem, not the solution. Wilkins was at least making negative plays. All right? So when, 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 when your number one pick from 2019, who is one of your two or three best defensive players on that day, is only getting 43 out of 64 snaps, something's up with that. I just, um, I, you know, I, I understand that uh, it's the first game and there was no preseason and there's going to be issues, right, for everybody. Except that I'm pretty sure that for New England it was the first game and they didn't play a secret undercover preseason somewhere. So how is it that they were able to overcome those hurdles and the dolphins were not able to overcome those hurdles that's that's a rhetorical question right are you saying that it has something to do with uh, um uh, hoodie i'm saying i'm saying that uh with, with all due respect to the great don shula uh brian flores was not the greatest coach of all time on the field on sunday bill belichick was okay and um, it showed. It showed that you had a first-time defensive coordinator in Josh Boyer and an out-of-retirement offensive coordinator in Chan Gailey who, hasn't, who hadn't coached football in three and a half years. Like, all those things showed up. And, and, and it doesn't matter who the personnel is. It doesn't matter how many new front seven players. Like, the, I think the, the, the Patriots lost five or six starters on defense to either free agency or COVID. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that it's a brand new quarterback with a brand new system. I mean, they were. They, we talked about it. That was old school football. Like they were running schemes that you would see in the, the 40s and 50s, right? I mean, it, 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 it didn't take a whole lot of creativity to snap the ball to Cam Newton, let him barrel through the left side of the line, and, and pick up a first down, which he did time and time. Look, talk about how disrespectful. They ran on five, third and five plus more times than I can count. Third and five plus, just snap the ball to Cam. We know the Dolphins can't stop him. How do you not adjust to that? They ran quarterback sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> they ran a freaking quarterback sweep. How do you do that in the NFL? It's a quarterback sweep. Two, 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 <laughs> 2020. 2020, and they look like, you know, you know the old school Big Ten from uh, the, the, the golden age of television. Holy Moses! It's, I thought it was Bobby Douglas out there with the '74 Chicago Bears. What was <laughs> that? Um, before we go to the break, tell me um, what you thought of Chan Gailey's offense on Sunday. Oh, why don't we go to the break and talk about that on the other side? That way, uh, we can we can build the anticipation. We can do that because you're the star of the show. Kenny of the show, 
had had done this differently, but you're the star of the show, I defer. Let's go to the break. Star of the show, rewriting script of the show, <laughs> Adam Beasley, how did Chan Gailey's offense look on Sunday? Uh, now, I'm going to let our, our, our faithful listeners in on a little secret. That's what you call in the business stalling, because I had no immediate thoughts. And so I wanted to take the, uh, the, 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 the two-minute break we had to listen to ads to, to get my thoughts together. And, and here are my thoughts, Armando. Um, they didn't have an answer after Devontae Parker got hurt. They didn't have a great answer before he got hurt, but in the second half, they didn't have an answer. They're, they're, you know what their offense was? Miles Gaskin and pass interference. That was their offense in the second half. And uh, it's, it, it was puzzling to me that Chan Gailey had spent five years, I think, with Fitz in Buffalo in New York, certainly at least four, but maybe five years. We'll have to go back and look with Fitz. And, and he hasn't realized by now that what Fitz does well is improvise, A, and B, throw jump balls. I mean, that, that's really what their entire offense was the second half of last year, was Fitz throwing jump balls at Devontae and Mike Kosicki. We saw some of that in the second half, but I don't think we saw any of that in the first half, did we? Um, I didn't see a whole lot of it in the first half, that's for sure. And uh, isn't it troubling to you that Matt Breida was an afterthought? Yes. I know you're not a huge Miles Gaskin fan. Uh, I, I know you're oh, – I just think Matt Breida is proven. He's, he's done it, no? I, I think the bigger issue is – and, yes, I agree – uh, there is some duplication of skill set between Gaskin and Burita. Uh, I don't know why they went with one or the other, but I don't think Gaskin was bad. I mean, he was he was their, their best offensive weapon after Devontae got hurt, which is – I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. But he, he, he was their most reliable offensive weapon when after Parker got hurt. Uh, to me, what was the most puzzling is why can't they power run? Why, why did Jordan Howard have seven yards on eight carries? Right? I mean, this is going to sound like a total slander, but what was the difference between Jordan Howard on Sunday and what we saw out of Kalen Balaj last year? It was the the same product. Look, um, this is my problem, and this is the reason that I raised Matt Breida, okay? Matt Breida was acquired by the Miami Dolphins for a fifth-round draft pick. They're paying him, what, $3 million this year? Yeah, I think three million. Okay, so uh, they're paying him $3.3 million and at the cost of a fifth-round pick. Uh, you said I'm not a Miles Gaskin fan. That's not true. I just have not seen Miles Gaskin perform. I have not seen him do anything remarkable. I have seen Matt Breida in the NFL do remarkable stuff. I have seen 50-yard runs. I have seen 60-yard runs. I've seen that. So I know he's capable of it. My point is, if you have Miles Gaskin on the roster last year and he got run at the end of the year and you think he's better than Matt Breida (laughs) at the start of the 2020 season, why? I know where you're going with this. (laughs) Why did you pay a fifth-round pick? And $3.3 million for Matt Breida. Great question. That's one we would have to ask uh, Chris Greer, and their answer would probably be depth and 
you know, we, we still like Breida a lot, and he's going to play a lot. But he didn't play a lot. Well, yeah. Again, back to the snap count. <laughs> Breida got 37 snaps. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Gaskin got 37 snaps. Breida got 14. So Gaskin was on the field more than twice as much as a guy that you traded to acquire and are paying $3.3 million to. And here's what's more, Armando. They had four running backs that played against the Patriots. Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, Miles Gaskin, and Patrick Laird. We saw a couple of times a two-back set, right? Two backs in the backfield next to uh, Fitz in the shotgun. Who are those two backs, Armando? Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin. That, to me, is just completely befuddling. Like, I, I, I have zero answer as to why that is the case. Where was Patrick Laird drafted last year? Uh, he was not. Okay, and Miles Gaskin was what a six-round pick? Seventh. He was. I think he was the two hundred and thirty-fourth player selected in the two thousand nineteen okay. draft. And look, guys, uh, in the draft, they surprise. It doesn't really matter where they're drafted. If all of a sudden you get him on the field and he opens your eyes, and it's like wow, uh, all of a sudden. Draft status doesn't mean a thing. But has that happened with Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin in practice that we saw? No, they're 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 fine. They are NFL players. They're not stars. And okay. and, and 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 Matt Breida and certainly Jordan Howard has been a star in the NFL, right? Did he lead the league in rushing one year? Uh, I think he was, like, fourth in the NFL in rushing over the last, like, four years. Yeah. So he is an established star. Um, and, and yet the Dolphins are playing two guys that were, that you know, that were priority free agents or, or high, very low round draft picks. Uh, I don't get it. And, and, and here's one more thought in the running game before we, we move on to Fitz, because we have to talk about Fitz before we get out of here. Um, the Buffalo Bills are coming to town on Sunday. Uh, do you know what they did to the New York Jets last week, Armando? I know the game was on, on the same time as the Dolphins game, but uh, do you know how many rushing yards the Jets had last week? Um, tell me. 52. Okay. The Bills right now are second to only the Steelers in rush defense. The Steelers only allowed – well, I don't know what it is about New York teams and their inability to run the football, but the, the Giants ran for 29 yards against the Steelers and the Jets ran for 52 yards against the Bills. How is this going to get better this week? Well, normally my my answer would be Adam. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Bills have three linebackers who are all injured. They're starting three linebackers. They're all injured. And so they're going to be down very good players, perhaps. But I can't give you that answer this week because last week, the New England Patriots—they <laughs> were without Kyle Van Noy. They were without Landon Roberts. They were without Jamie Collins. They were without Dante Hightower, and it didn't matter. They've got to—they've got to. The Dolphins have this big old hefty offensive line. They need to lean hard on the Bills next week. They need to punch them in the mouth. I—I—I uh, I, I honestly don't know why Chandler Cox is on, in the game. He didn't. I believe he even outsnapped Jordan Howard on Sunday. I think Chandler Cox was on the field more than what Jordan Howard was on Sunday. But if they're going to put him out there, you got to see some return on that investment. You've got to see him knock a linebacker on his ass. You know, 
get to the second level. I, I don't blame Howard for his paltry rushing numbers because he had no chance. There was no rushing lanes. So, uh, yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's, I'm rambling. Go ahead. So, uh, last year, Matt Breida, uh, he rushed for 623 yards, 5.1-yard average. He had a, a run of 83 yards. The year That was his long run. The year before, he rushed for 814 yards, a 5.3-yard average. He had a 66-yard run. You don't keep that guy on the bench. You don't. You just don't keep that guy on the bench, especially in a game where you're looking for any kind of spark because he might mistake himself. He might fumble into a 70-yard run. <laughs> he really yeah, might. They, their longest pass play was 21 yards, and as I mentioned, their longest run was 12 yards. You, you just can't win that way in the NFL. You just can't. So you're you're of the thought that they should bench Fritz and uh, and play Tua right now, correct? Look at look at the media at it again. Just totally putting words in the mouth of the of the of the, of the media. Subject. Yeah, <laughs> of the media. Uh, no, I would not. Uh, I would not throw Tua to the Wolves against the Bills. I think the Bills have a really good defense, you know, their their injuries notwithstanding. Um, but I don't think I don't think we're months away from seeing Tua. Okay, I think that um, if they start you know, one and four, zero oh and five, uh, the Broncos we saw last night aren't a great team. Um, I, I think that, that 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 Week Six Denver game could could come into play if if Fitz doesn't get better in a hurry. I just think that you play Tua when Tua is ready, and I don't think he's ready. It's as simple as that. Uh, I know that some people are like, um, you know, well, Fitzpatrick was bad, so it's time for Tua. Well, Tua's not ready, and the chances of Tua succeeding if he's put in there are not high. And you really don't want to do that. And I know that Tua is supremely confident, and he should be. He had a ton of success in college. But you don't want to just crash him from, from, the, from the jump in the NFL. You want to have, see, have him see some success so he can build on something rather than become Josh Rosen, who's constantly getting pooped on and was never, you know, was never able to recover or at least hasn't yet, other yeah. guys as well. I, I mean, I know there are so many dueling um, incentives and motivations within that building. Um, certainly, Stephen Ross wants Tua to have a long, productive, winning career. And if that means sacrificing 2020 uh, to do it, he's not going to be a, you know, he, it's not going to tear him up. And if they get another top five draft pick and maybe two top ten picks that the Texans aren't any good, you know, you, then you really, really can start building on, 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 on what you have. But I don't know if Chris Greer has that time. I don't know if even Brian Flores has that time. They need to show improvement. And if they start 1-4, and 0-5, oh and, and the locker room's like, what the bleep, get, get Fitz out of here. We've got this phenom. I don't know how they can hold that off. Fitz was not terrible. I know he threw three interceptions, okay? Mm-hmm. On one of them, you know, Preston Williams, um, he he slipped or 
lost his footing. He played kind of tentative coming back from the ACL, to be honest with you. Very, very tentative. He slipped twice uh, when, when Pitts was trying to get big plays out of him, twice right. in, in the game. Right. And so, uh, and and as a result, Stephon Gilmore was right there and, and, you know, obviously had the interception. On the last interception to end the game, he's trying to get something to happen. He's throwing a, you know, a, a 50-50 ball to Gesicki. Gesicki falls down or gets pulled down or something happened there. Ball goes straight through where Gesicki would have been standing into the hands of the New England defender. So was it – the other one was bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other one, the the middle interception, the one – the second, he threw it right to the defender that he didn't see. No excuse for that. Right. But but they didn't have a running game. He didn't have his best uh, wide receiver. His second best wide receiver was tentative, and the tight end didn't show up. So, yeah, it's all on Fitz. He screwed it up. <laughs> Understood. And, and, yes, there were things that were beyond his control. Uh, Having said I, that, Adam. Yeah. Let's not let's understand what Ryan Fitzpatrick is, right? He had a good enough season last year, right? Twenty touchdowns, thirteen interceptions. His history is he follows good with bad. Yeah, I mean, there. If 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 that trend and narrative continues, we're, we saw the you know certainly the. The, the, the seeds of something pretty sinister sprouting for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. Uh, I think he's going to bounce back. I think, uh, yeah. look, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. They're, 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 I haven't seen the line. They're going to be underdogs at home and maybe even substantially so uh, against the Bills. Um, they, they, don't, they don't play, you know, two of the better teams in the conference every single week. And, and things will get easier. Things will get better. But I will say this, Armando. I don't care what, you know, the, the, what's going on around him and what, you know, what forces are working against him. He has to play better on Sunday. He played all right. He wasn't terrible. He played all right. He has to play good for them to have a chance on Sunday. Agreed. And by the way, I'm going to push back a little bit on two of the best teams in the conference. I don't think the New England Patriots are that good. I think they and the, I think they and the Bills will make the playoffs, but I agree. I, I, really? The yeah. I, I think, wow. Because they get to play the Dolphins and the Jets four times. Oh no, that's wrong. It's oh. the, it's the, well, well, think think about it. I mean, there's seven teams that are going to make the uh, the playoffs in the AFC this year. Okay. And and like the six division opponents for the Patriots, the six division opponents for the Bills, and you could even say the six for the Dolphins. None of those teams are you could think are going to win the Super Bowl. Like none of those teams are great. And so if you get hot and you go four and two in the division, it's not that hard to get to nine wins, and nine wins is going to get you in the playoffs this year. Interesting. So let's, uh, let's put a bow on it. Last question from me to you. Ryan Fitzpatrick plays poorly on Sunday. Do you bench him? In game or week three? Week three. Who do they play week three? Jacksonville? Yeah. Oh, I, I haven't seen how Tua looks. We haven't watched Tua practice in almost a month now. Um, but if Tua, if, if you're not seeing any real difference between Tua and Fitz in practice, you make the move. I think I think you do. 
Okay. All right. I disagree. <laughs> uh, and this is the reason I disagree. So Ryan Fitzpatrick throws three more interceptions on Sunday. We're not mm-hmm. saying it's going to happen. This is a hypothetical. They play the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday. You're going to yeah. get Tua ready to play the Jacksonville Jaguars with no practice? Yeah. On the cal- Thursday? The calendar is not great, but the opponent, I mean, the Jaguars are not a great team. No, I know that, but there's no opportunity to actually prepare the quarterback. And, and again, that's why I think it's going to be week six. Uh, because, um, you know, they've got San Francisco, and you're not going to send two out against that defense for his first game. But I, I, I think I think Denver is actually looking more and more likely. Again, Fitz could go out this weekend in, in, in all seriousness and throw five touchdowns. I mean, he could. We just we, we don't know what that guy. Or six. But, or six. He's done but, that. But if he doesn't and we're starting to see signs of regression here, I don't think – It's not going to be the instant hook, but I don't think Flores and Greer can afford to let the season just go down the toilet. What are you saying? I'm saying that they they have to have some degree of heat on them. If 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 they if they follow up five and eleven and four and twelve, they have no margin. Right? Whoa! 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 I mean. Uh, I don't think they're going to be four and twelve. Adam. Nor do nor nor do I. But okay. part of that part of that calculus, true or false, Armando, is Fitz playing a lot better than he did on Sunday. Yes, fair. I mean, he has to play at least as well as he did last year. Correct. For them to be seven and nine ish, eight and eight. Right. Fair and a hundred percent fair. And okay. um, I thought he would have because he's in. Chan's offense, and um, we didn't think Devontae Parker was going to implode again physically. Wow, because he's never done that. <laughs> we've, gone on a, we've gone on a half an hour today, Armando. A half uh, an hour. Okay, I know you have many things to do, so I'm, I, I got no life. I, I can talk to you all day <laughs> and listen to your pearls of wisdom all day. Oh. Moreover, I could hear myself talk all day. Uh, more accurate, probably. We we appreciate you joining us. Adam, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being part of the show today. Hey, I do it for the people, Armando. I know. You are a man of... You are the king! <laughs> king Adam! Tune in next week to Dolphins in Depth Podcast.